Welcome to the third episode of our podcast series, Remote Connectivity, How to Achieve Information Resilience, hosted by BSI. Throughout this series, we will be discussing a range of topics to help your organization improve its information resilience in this increasingly distributed working world. Make sure to subscribe to the BSI channel to get notified for the next episodes. I'm Michael Green, Senior Cloud Security Consultant at BSI, and today I'm joined by Thomas Quinlan, who is the Director of Solution Architecture for EMEA at Zscaler. Welcome, Thomas. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Thank you very much for having me. Great stuff. No, it's great to have you with us today, and we're, we're really looking forward to talking to you. Um, so in today's episode, we will discuss evolutions in cloud-delivered defense. Um, we are exploring how BSI and our partners can enable clients to reduce risk and also to improve user experience. We're going to look at issues seen with traditional security technology solutions and discuss the path towards a future optimum state. Okay, so from that baseline to the future optimum state, we're going to be including um, zero trust, and we are also going to be talking about Gartner's SASE um, model. Now, I would encourage you to visit our podcast series webpage to download some extra content on the top three SASE benefits. And we also have something around why we believe SASE is the key to digital uh, transformation there. Okay, great stuff. So, um, Thomas, I think we'll, we'll kick kick this off, um, and we're going to have a bit of a bit of a chat about um, some of, some of the issues that our clients have seen um, with with your more traditional um, security technologies. So, you know, tra traditional would probably be referring to um, your your pre pre cloud. Okay, so you're you're less less scalable um, technologies, shall we say? So, just to just to kick it off, really, um, you know, in, insufficient visibility um, is is that something? Is that is that one of the main ones for um, your clients that you're that you're seeing at Zscaler? Absolutely. Part of the issue with visibility today is that organizations obviously especially in COVID times, have a distributed workforce, whereas in the quote-unquote old world, everybody was effectively either in the office or could easily connect to the data center. And now that people are working from home or working from coffee shops or airports, it becomes significantly more difficult to actually keep track of what they're doing from an organizational risk perspective. And so it's something that we have to effectively change so that we can start to examine for threats and do things like that. And most of the world has switched over to uh, encrypted connections with respect to mobile devices. And uh, Google has a plan, I believe, to make the entire world encrypted, although they probably uh, won't get there to 100% anyway. But effectively, we have to be able to do things like SSL inspection at scale to be able to check for malware and making sure the remote users that uh, unfortunately, I guess consists pretty much everybody these days. We have to make sure they're included as well. 
so that would that would probably involve some something like an like an agent um, on the device and things like that. Because I, I think Tom Thomas, you're 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 really referring to um, backhauling um, this traffic in a lot of cases, and the, the backhauling would would have traditionally been to to a, a kind of fixed point of presence, a, a data center controlled by the organization. Is that is that not right? That's correct. Yes, effectively, yeah. I guess the sort of Gartner SASE model today. One of the big things that they talk about is the fact that previously you could backhaul the traffic. It was effective, but nowadays it's going to hamper both the user experience, the security capabilities, as well as the visibility, because you have to connect, say, your user who's at the airport back to your data center. And if that airport and that data center are significantly uh, separated, then it becomes unpleasant for that user, not to mention difficult for the goals you're trying to accomplish. And so in that sense, Gartner talks about rather than taking the user to the data center, take the traffic to the cloud where it can be inspected at scale. And that's effectively what we do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's really the only approach, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so that's great, great stuff um, there. I mean, visibility wise, um, you know, uh, I think we 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 did talk talk um, on on our last on our last podcast that I I did in this series. We we definitely did have a have a chat about shadow IT. I mean, this is very relevant, isn't it, for visibility and um, visibility into things like unsanctioned cloud applications, um, potentially you know more more dangerous things things like your your questionable PDF converters. And, and things like this. These, 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 these are all things. Um, common examples, aren't they, of, of things that we, things that we need to watch out for there. Um, so no, that's great. So I mean, mo moving on, you know, we could talk about things like weak integration, can't we? Um, you know, integration between systems. Traditionally, it's been. It's been it's been difficult to get um, the data from you know security system A to security system B. You may you may have been um, reliant on these two vendors having some sort of a partnership and a bit of, you know connectivity. However, they did that and information sharing, um, you know, enabling you to create your policies in a in a quite a granular way and in, in an adaptive way. Um, the these services communicating um, with each other. I mean. Really, the, the the ideal situation here um, would be these com these components, these services um, talking to each other. Um, jumping ahead slightly um, and and talking a bit about, I guess, the the consolidation piece. So I think one one of the things that this Gartner SASE um, would say, you know, they 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 do refer to the the partial or full um, centralization and consolidation of cloud delivered. Um, network or network security um, solutions here. So I might ask you, Thomas. Um, what, I mean, what what would you say the the benefits are of the, of this centralization and consolidation? Because you know, one one thing that I can certainly think of is um, simplified operations. I think back to my job four years ago when I worked for a different organization. We would have effectively siloed security solutions, which could be purchased as point products that sat on the edge of the network. Now, that organization put those products together both internally and through acquisition. And from their perspective, they had to make them work together. So in order to make them work together, they had to create another product to actually make them work together to essentially control the back and forth communication from the many point products they'd previously had. And then they needed another product on top of that to be able to provide reporting 
for all of that to the users uh, in the system admin function or uh, what have you. And so in that sense, they had that problem and they transported that problem to the edge of every network that they sold to. That was a problem in and of itself, but then it also leads to additional problems from the organization perspective when trying to protect users. Effectively, they have to service chain every single piece of their security stack. And so what that means is that when an, a user is attempting to either leave the network to go to the internet and SaaS or to come into the data center, their traffic has to go through each and every one of those single point solutions, which adds latency and detracts from the user experience while also making it more difficult to secure things. Because again, you need multiple products on top of multiple products to be able to do that. With the ability to go to the cloud to be able to do things at scale, it gives you better visibility, better integration, which is of course the point here. By being able to do all of those things on live traffic very quickly, the users are better protected while the administrators and the security team have a significantly easier time to set things up and to run them. The other piece to that is that when we start to look at the centralization and consolidation of cloud-delivered network security, it allows us to take advantage of the cloud itself. And so we can start to look at differing operational models. Effectively, a lot of organizations are moving to take advantage of the scalability, the flexibility that the cloud offers. And so they're start to, starting to move applications, but also starting to build applications differently. So now we have DevOps, DevSecOps, serverless, and things like that, that allow organizations to be more flexible while still effectively maintaining security and providing a better experience for their users at the same time. Yeah, I think it's it's all all very very relevant and um, very very timely timely stuff. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, serverless, Thomas. I mean, this is this for me. This is you know this is the most exciting thing about cloud. This this cloud native architecture. You know, using things like serverless, using things like um, PaaS services, um, containers. Um, you know the, the the tools are out there, but it's just um, you know understanding that to get the real benefits, you do need to come at cloud from a um, a mindset not of lifting and shifting your VMs. You know to get the real benefits of of this. Uh, would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And we start to look at security from a different mindset too, because when we were doing things by bringing people back to the data center, we were looking at logical network access. So we would effectively authenticate the user, figure out if they are who they say they are, then we would provide access. And almost all the time, that would be a logical network access. And then we would use policy to effectively secure them. Nowadays, we sort of flip those last two and we authenticate the user, make sure we know who they say they are. But now we can use policy to control access. And what I mean by that is that rather than provide logical network access, we are effectively connecting users to applications. And so the network becomes abstracted in a way. You no longer have to worry about whether a user has, say, a particular IP address and the end resource has a particular IP address. With SASE and the move to the zero trust network access, we start to worry about policy-based access as opposed to logical network access. 
and that makes things more secure. And again, at the same time, provides a better user experience because the user doesn't have to worry about something like a VPN or connecting in the right place to the right thing or potentially loading a web page for an internal application for which they forgot to turn on the VPN. So they have to stop what they're doing, break their workflow, go to the VPN software, connect, and then go back to what they were doing. All of that sort of becomes seamless to the user in the new model. Yep, and um, you, you did touch on zero trust there, um, Thomas. Um, and you know, one, one thing I find um, really, really interesting. One, one of the one of the things that um, John Kindervag, um, who is the the creator of Zero Trust, um, he says that trust is a vulnerability. I think this this is a really, really interesting way to put it. And you did give a great example around trusted access to things um, within within a LAN. And uh, you know, we we talk about no trust by default. Uh, we talk about verification, um, segmentation. Another another piece um, as well um, would would not just be that sort of client to workload access. It's um, we we also need to think about the the workload to workload access things that we might have traditionally um, you know relied on a site to site VPN for. Um, have you got any thoughts about that piece, Thomas? Absolutely, and that's an important part of the zero trust model. Zero Trust refers to, again, as you mentioned, users to applications, but it also refers to, say, applications to applications. If I have an application in Azure or AWS that will have typically your three-tier architecture, you'll have your uh, application front, you'll have the middle layer, and you'll also have your database layer. And so if an attacker is trying to get to sensitive data, invariably they want to ultimately get to the database. And so the ability to hack into the front end and then send legitimate commands to a database, because the database is expecting SQL, is a way that some people may attack an application to get that sensitive data out. But you can do things like micro-segmentation between the three layers of that application that then looks for specifically fingerprinted data, for instance. And you can distinguish between what's legitimate versus what's illegitimate so that you can prevent some types of attacks and some of those attacks. And so when we look at zero trust, we do have to distinguish both users to applications and applications to applications. And I know uh, you're also going to be having a podcast on IoT and things like that, but all of these play into that. So. IoT very quickly, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder in the future, but effectively, they don't have the same capabilities to run software as uh, something like a laptop might have. And so the ability to secure applications to devices, devices to users, et cetera, et cetera, all of that comes into play in the zero trust model. Definitely, all really, really good points. Um, really, really good points there. So, um, just to, just to look, um, sort of look back a bit um, on some some of these issues that that we we do see with the traditional um, security technologies. I mean, I guess um, we we did touch on the the cloud native architecture already. So, I mean, you know, we we've also touched on the the fixed limitations in legacy IT as well. And we we do say that you know what what is cloud? Cloud is it's highly scalable. Um, it enables that rapid um, elasticity. And another thing that cloud actually enables, based on its nature, is that um, that automation and orchestration piece, um, and in in turn, um, standardization. 
Um, so, you know, faster site rollouts um, in the context of SASE and, you know, the, the network piece of SASE, uh, things like SD-WAN, um, you know, faster branch site rollouts. Um, you can talk about things like, um, and this applies to, you know, software-defined infrastructure generally, doesn't it? Um, automatic documentation. So on the basis that you are pushing a new configuration to a version control system, um, effectively you are you are documenting aren't you, as as you do this, and in turn that would do, that would lead to improvements in your change control um, process, you know, your your management around that. Um, you know, th these one thing leads to another. We can talk about um, you know if, if we're defining this uh, these systems by code, um, we can export configs, we can back up um, configs and things like this. I, I know in, um, I know in Zscaler, I mean, your your ZIA product, you do you do have a backup feature, don't you? Which is which is quite an unusual thing in a in a in a SaaS uh, platform. I, I feel I, I feel that it should probably be done um, more often. Well, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Thomas. Indeed, it mm. does change the model for how we work, and we start to abstract again various things like. The network effectively goes away, as I mentioned earlier, so you don't have to worry about trying to back up a specific network configuration, which might be impossible because you have a distributed organization where you have three headquarters per major region, Americas, Europe, Asia Pacific. And then the satellite offices will each have their specific hardware components, all of which may be different from the head offices and from each other for that matter. There will be some standardization, but invariably you'll have smaller devices, different devices in those branch offices. So when you look to protect the configurations of those devices, for example, you have to make sure that someone is capable of going to each of those devices, whether physically in person, which would not be preferable, or through some sort of management console to be able to back up those multiple configs. In the newer model, effectively you're sending your traffic. So as you discussed, you have a lighter branch, you can roll out an SD-WAN edge device or a small router, for instance, that will then send the traffic. You can do that also via the endpoints themselves for offices that are going to be smaller, potentially with fewer people. So as you mentioned, an endpoint agent that forwards traffic off the device. And then all of that traffic goes through the central location, which isn't technically central. Because one of the things that Gartner's SASE paper, of course, talks about is the idea of sort of the distributed computing. So rather than having computing at the edge of your network, you have computing at the edge of the cloud. And that's an important distinction because when you look to select a SASE vendor, you actually, actually have to make sure that they do have that compute at the edge of the cloud. A lot of vendors have a front door at the edge of the cloud but their compute is somewhere else. So they're effectively backhauling within their own clouds, which leads to more latency and things like that. But when we look to how to set this up for the ideal, effectively, you want a light branch. You want to be able to send your traffic pretty much directly to edge computing. And that reduces that inner cloud back and forth. And that allows the user to have that better experience because their traffic is going from their edge, whether that be SD-WAN or the actual endpoint, to the cloud edge where all of the computing should take place and then to its final destination. And so 
that allows us the flexibility to take advantage of config backups, like you mentioned, the flexibility associated with things like SD-WAN, where it becomes a matter of defining what goes to the cloud versus what stays internal. And that's usually fairly easy because you'll have your RFC 19 and 18 IP address space for the internal. And then you can automatically provision things like traffic tunnels to the cloud. We do a lot of work with SD-WAN vendors, for instance, to make that as seamless as possible for our users. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it comes back to that integration piece, doesn't it? What, what you just mentioned at the end there, Thomas. Um, very, very powerful stuff. Um, when you know, when 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 partnerships like that um, do do arise. Um, so that's great. Um, so I will um, probably jump um, jump to a question. Um, but before I do, just to, just to kind of summarise. Um, you know what? What sort of components are we are we talking about here? I mean, there there are a lot in the in the Gartner paper, which we would encourage that you do, um, that our listeners do go and read. Um, there there are a lot of technologies in there. Okay, there are a lot. Um, I say what we probably focus on um, at BSI and and indeed at Zscaler. Um, you know, definitely in the in the in the context of my practice, security technologies, we would focus on the secure web gateway. Um, the CASB piece. We'd also look at um, and work with our clients on um, the CSPM and the SSPM. So that would be cloud and SaaS security posture management. So this would be, you know, th things like, um, you know, ensuring that your um, what you create in the cloud is indeed in compliance with, you know, a, a CIS benchmark or, you know, what, whatever it is, P PCI. Um, um, uh, PCI controls and things like this. We can also look at ZTNA, which Thomas, you you have um, definitely uh, mentioned already. We can look at browser isolation um, and and indeed um, micro segmentation, which would be would be also coming in under ZTNA. So what what I would say and why I'm saying this, I would encourage all of our listeners to have a look at all of these technologies and assess um, whether these are indeed something that can benefit your organisation. Um, and improve your user experience, reduce your risk, um, and you can you can certainly get in contact um, with us on these. So, um, Thomas, I've got got a question for you um, for our listeners. Um, what would you recommend um, as a first step for an organisation who has indeed accepted this new normal, um, but has actually realised and um, that they now need to review the effectiveness? of their security technology architecture and work towards um, modernizing this. What are your thoughts on that? That's actually a very good question. Thank you. Um, effectively, there's a lot of talk now, obviously, as we have the vaccine, that things will go back to what we considered to be normal before. And while that will be uh, occurring to an extent, I think a lot of organizations are going to stick with the work from anywhere model for a number of different reasons. So one, it's more convenient for the users. So those users who want to work from home or work from wherever they are, they can continue to do that. It tends to be cheaper for the organization. They don't need as large a real estate footprint. They don't need to pay as much rent. They may not need as many servers in the data center and things like that. So while we talk about going back to normal, effectively for an organization, there will be at least some shift in how they work and 
understanding that things may not go back to normal for the reason suggested is I think the first step. The second step is that even if they understand that, they have to have executive buy-in. So a lot of the things that we do with respect to my team specifically around architecture is that we have to effectively show people how things can change. And even if you have a strong champion within an organization who is looking to change the way things work for the better, if they don't have that executive buy-in, whether that be at the CXO level or the board level or some combination, they won't get very far. And I think most executives, and especially those listening to this podcast, will understand how that works. And so they'll be on board, but we have seen rare occasions where uh, that hasn't been the case. And it becomes very difficult to actually create meaningful change without that buy-in. The next piece of that is involving multiple stakeholders. So when we start to talk about moving to a SASE model, there are a number of different things you have to look at. You have to look at security, first and foremost. You have to look at network. You have to look at end-user compute. You have to involve the cloud team. So there are going to be multiple functions within an organization who are going to have to be involved in order for this to be successful. And they have to work together. Um, we've had some apocryphal stories in our industry where network and security teams are sometimes at odds with each other. And that sort of thing makes it difficult to effectively make the changes that are going to be required in the new world and the new way of working. The other piece is that they have to identify what it is they're trying to do and why, and then prioritize things. So there are some organizations who are moving to SASE for the sake of moving to SASE because it's the new cool thing and they understand that it will allow them to save money and be more flexible. But many times organizations will have specific issues that they need to address. And of course, last March, the issue was that 100% of the workforce had to work from home. And so that became a very, very uh, specific and urgent topic that had to be addressed. Now, ideally, given the fact that it's been a year since then, that should have been handled, but a lot of organizations had to scramble. And so it became necessary to figure out how am I going to connect my users to the data center securely over their Wi-Fi via the internet? How do I connect my users to uh, the internet and SaaS? Do I need to secure that traffic because they're now going over their home Wi-Fi? Do I need to worry about those things? Once you've identified what needs to be prioritized, then you can address those issues again with the multiple stakeholders and executive buy-in. And then from there, once the most important pieces are in place, typically you want to look at use cases. You want to look at data flows, you want to look at identities, you want to look at workloads. And part of what we do as an architecture team is we will work with an organization and those multiple stakeholders to examine where they are currently, examine where they want to go, and then provide them with a roadmap that takes them through step A, B, C, all the way to Q, and then Z. That is great stuff, and it's it's really really good to hear that um, that insight um, and your 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 insight from an architectural um, perspective. Um, so yeah, I think that um, that probably wraps things up um, for today's episode. And I really want to extend my thanks um, to you, Thomas. And we really hope to get you on again. I think it's been a really uh, great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. It's my pleasure. I've enjoyed it myself, and I look forward to uh, potentially joining again in the future. Thank you. Great stuff. Um, great stuff. So 
Um, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode and many thanks for joining us. Uh, please get in contact to discuss our services around SASE, Zero Trust and Cloud Security. You can visit our podcast series page or contact us on cyber at bsigroup.com for any questions. In our next episode, we will discuss Industry 4.0 and IoT, where we explore the issues and risks associated um, to systems connected to the cloud. Uh, make sure to subscribe for this upcoming episode and to receive notifications for the entire series. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.